Ready to add a big dose of positivity and empowered perspective to your day? You've come to the right place. Welcome to She Said, She Said podcast. I'm Laura Cox Kaplan. Here, we tackle everything from imposter syndrome and confidence building to the best advice on how to lead yourself through life pivots, including the ones that knock you flat. For the past three years, I've talked to hundreds of experts about their stories. Here, you'll find their actionable advice and lessons, as well as my own tools that you can put to use in your own life. Stick around. I think you'll find this investment in you well worth it. Hey friend, welcome to the show. I am excited to bring on today's guest. Her name is Marla Isaacson. She is the founder and CEO of an entity called ASA. It is an innovative podcast network and platform that's focused on helping women podcasters increase their earning potential and their influence. It's a great organization and I am honored to be in ASA's membership. But Marla's story and her journey actually goes well beyond podcasting. She is a seasoned marketing executive, having worked with some of the most major brands, including Citibank, American Express, Barnes & Noble, among others. Since leaving her corporate gigs, she actually has embraced serial entrepreneurship, and she has repeatedly challenged herself to really pivot into areas where she could use her skills to help create opportunities for others, especially women. At the same time, she's used those career pivots to evolve and challenge herself in new and innovative ways. One of Marla's earliest entrepreneurial efforts was called Like a Boss Girls, which hit a whopping 1.2 million followers. And this was back in 2015, well before we were really talking about boss girls. One of the ways that Marla has challenged herself more recently is with the creation of her own podcast, which is called Mind of a Mentor. It's such a great name and a fabulous podcast. I was honored to join Marla for a conversation on Mind of a Mentor a few weeks ago, and I've included a link to that conversation in the show notes for this episode. But just a couple of words about Mind of a Mentor. It is fantastic, as I said a moment ago, and much like She Said, She Said podcast, Mind of a Mentor is an interview-style conversation that's focused on women's journeys. Again, I've included a link to Mind of a Mentor in the show notes, and I hope that you'll check it out. Marla is, among other things, an incredibly thoughtful, thoughtful interviewer, so I know you'll really appreciate her style on Mind of a Mentor. Today, however, I am excited to have Marla here on She Said, She Said podcast as an interviewee on the interviewee side of the mic. Even if you're not interested in starting your own podcast, her advice on entrepreneurship and on challenging yourself to evolve will resonate no matter what your interests or career aspirations may be. Marla, Welcome to She Said, She Said. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm really excited about joining you. Well, I am delighted to have you. As I mentioned in the intro, I was also really honored to join you on your fabulous podcast, Mind of a Mentor. And we've included a link to that conversation in the show notes for this episode. Oh, awesome. Perfect. But I'm really happy to have you on the interviewee side of the mic today. We have lots to talk about, but because I suspect my audience may not be as familiar with ASA, I want to start by talking about that because it's such an interesting and innovative idea. So what is ASA? So ASA is a network for women in podcasting. And the net the reason why we we did it is because we saw in 2018 we were looking at the stats and it was they were dismal. I mean, only 22, 23 percent of all podcasts were being hosted by women. Only 20 percent of podcasts that charted um, were hosted by women. So these numbers were tough. And what 
I wanted to do was to do something about it and create a platform where we encourage women and help them grow their show, help them grow their businesses, help them amplify their message to give them some, um, uh, well, it's amplification and, and promotion, actually. Yeah. So that's why we're doing what we're doing. Um, we also want to help raise and elevate underrepresented voices because it's important. Podcasting is such an amazing platform and it's just giving a lot more people the ability to speak about what's important to them. So at ASA, we focus on small to mid-sized podcasters um, because we want to speak to what we call the every woman. We want every woman to be podcasting or to be listening to podcasts. So I don't have celebrities, although I think we're great, um, but I'm not a celebrity-based <laughs> podcast, and those are awesome, and uh, net, you know those networks are terrific. That's not what we're about. Yeah. Talk a little bit about the business side of ASA and how it works. How are you going about supporting and promoting podcasts like She Said, She Said? Sure. So we are essentially an agency. Um, that's one of the hats we wear. So what we do is we um, pair advertisers with podcasters relevant to what the advertiser is looking for, you know, whatever the spe specific niche is. We make the match. We offer what's called white glove customer service, and I mean that. So once we bring um, an advertiser to a podcaster and the podcaster says, yeah, I want to do this, we handle everything. We ensure that, you know, the script is okay with the podcaster, all things are good, that the advertiser sends the podcaster uh, samples, um, because I think that's important. Everyone wants to be very authentic. We handle the billing, we handle the tracking, we handle the payments. Uh, we give feedback to podcasters if it, we think maybe it's not quite going as well as it should. Mm -hmm. So that's awesome. And um, yeah, it's an agency. I never thought yeah. I would start an agency, but yeah, I started an agency. Yeah. What about, can you talk a little bit about some of the success stories that you've had with ASA? Maybe, um, you know, real impact that you're already seeing with some of these female podcasts. So it's so interesting because everyone gets into podcasting for a different reason. Um, so those women who are more sophisticated podcasters are starting to see some success on the monetization front. They have the numbers, they have the downloads. Um, and um, they're doing very well in our um, deals. Uh, they're really converting. Why? Because they're all in. It's so interesting. They go all in, in terms of whatever deal we present to them. So not only do they uh, record the ads, you know, do, do the live ads on their podcast, but they embrace the advertiser. And what I mean by that is they will talk about the products on social media. Um, when they record a product, uh, we actually did a big deal with Faraday, which is a clothing company. The, one of the podcasters wearing a Faraday item. Um, she then did a post about in front of a Faraday store. So she really, really gave a lot to that. Um, and I think we were really able to help her. And I, I think that was super successful. Um, and I learned a lot from it in terms of what it takes to help um, build a successful campaign. So we were totally excited about that. The other thing that we do at, in terms of success stories, so I talk about amplifying vo voices. So in addition to the advertising network part of it, we have a, a pretty large presence in terms of we have a website. We have social media. Um, so we have 1.2 million followers on social media. Amazing. Um, and we will amplify our podcasters. So we will interview podcasters. Um, and those interviews uh, get posted on social media. I'll boost it. I mean, anything to get the message out. Um, we try to do that. And I think I know that podcasters have, have really enjoyed that part of it. We do everything we can to to get them talking. We have another series that we do with um, podcasters called Pod Tips, 
And what it is, it's little mini videos, little nuggets of ideas. Mm -hmm. But we go into the community because we know that there are women who have so much expertise and we record whatever topic they think is relevant. I know the one of the ones we recorded I found helpful was using your voice. How to right. use your voice effectively. Yeah, I love I love that. I mean it's it's really really great content. The whole monetization piece can be frankly a really difficult thing for I think mm -hmm. a lot of people that embark on podcasting and people Correct. you know engage in podcasting for all different reasons mm -hmm. but because it can be so difficult to get support and to get somebody to pay for the content I think it can be very discouraging for a lot of people and because you're focused on women in particular this idea of recognizing the value that you provide and acknowledging that in order to make that leap so that you can appeal to mm -hmm. advertisers. Maybe talk a little bit about that particular dynamic of how women sure. are sometimes, I should, again, generalization, but sometimes women are unique in their reluctance to ask to be paid what they're worth, whether it's oh, podcasting yeah. or anything else, right? Absolutely. So, boy, does that resonate with me? I totally get that. Um, what the way we work is um, we basically tell our podcasters, look, if you have around a thousand downloads per episode, which is a lot, but it's you know it's not Joe Rogan size, um, we can get you into campaign. We you will not pay your mortgage with what you will earn in this campaign, but you will get started. So we, what we do is we try to facilitate um, women thinking about, well, maybe I can monetize my podcast. So we go, we like, I, ha I know my podcasters, over 1,000 of them, and we directly contact them and say, hey, you'd be great at this. Do you want to do this? Now, some women say, no, you know, monetization or advertising is not part of our strategy. Fine. That's totally cool. But some say, well, yeah, like, that's a good idea. Let me try. Right. So it, it, it's a little challenging. Um, but we try to go get over that hump of women asking, because we're actually asking them, which I think makes it a lot easier for them. Yeah, for sure. It's it's just it's such a, it's a concept that really resonates with me and you see this across the board whether you're talking about women mm -hmm. in politics or you're talking about women in business, it is something that, you know, historically we've not done as well as our male counterparts or for whatever reason there's a reluctance to ask for what we're worth. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a really interesting element. Um let's talk about Asa actually grew out of another entrepreneurial enterprise that you launched. Talk a little bit about that because you were ahead of the curve in terms of boss this or boss girls or boss that. Right. <laughs> you were like a boss girls before Correct. we had all of this other stuff. Maybe talk a little bit about that particular enterprise and then how and why it evolved into Asa. Sure. Um, I'm laughing with the whole boss girl thing because we were the first, actually. Right. Um, and at that point, I was working with a very talented editor-in-chief, and she was just so quick with names and titles, and it just felt right. Um, so, yeah, that name resonated with us. So Like a Boss Girls was a community um, and platform for women to help them really live the life they want to lead. So, you know, we attracted leaders and go-getters and entrepreneurs and um, so many women out there doing amazing things. And what we did is we provided um, information and resources to help them achieve what they wanted to achieve. So what that entailed was um, we created a whole lot of content, a lot of how-to content, um, how to get a job, how to start a business, you know, how to write a business plan, you know, all kinds of topics that I thought the topics were very important. Um, in addition to that, uh, 
we leveraged social media and we lucked out because we, when we were um, working with uh, like a boss girls, that was a point when Facebook wasn't messing around so much with the algorithm, which enabled us to grow to 1.2 million followers. We really went viral um, and weren't blocked by any weird algorithm. So that was kind of cool. So that platform was doing very well. We, you know, we did online events, um, a couple of events in real life um, at, with panels um, talking about oh, a whole a whole lot of different topics relevant to women. So around 2018, um, my team told me that I had to start a podcast because podcast was like a thing, which I didn't want to do because it's just not my thing, but I did. And I realized I loved it. It was, it was so your much thing. fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? It was like so much fun. Like, <laughs> Turns here, out it was your thing. Yeah. Here I had permission to really ask people questions and right. them not thinking I'm nosy. So I loved it. And my background is corporate marketing, you know, worked for some big companies. So I said, guys, we got to do some research. What's going on with this podcasting thing? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when we looked at the stats in terms of women in podcasting. And as I stated them early, the stats were pretty dismal. And um, I also think at that time, we needed to evolve away from like a boss girls, because the world was changing. And we saw this new medium as a great platform to help women to continue to evolve. Why? Because it helps them elevate their voice in a very specific, practical way. So I was very excited. I thought that this is the right thing to do and um, realized that it was time to put the name like a boss girls away because there were probably like 30,000 boss people, boss girls, whatever. Um, And tapped into um, Greek mythology, which I like to do. And um, Asa was or was or is the Greek goddess of gossip and communications, which I think is very perfect. And our you are, URL is asacollective.com because we are a collective of women who come together under the ASA umbrella. So when I made the pivot, again, we were, this is so much fun about being an entrepreneur. You can do what you want. It's like, like nobody's telling you what to do specifically. And that's when I decided I wanted to take some of the aspects of um, like a boss girls in terms of the way we were supporting empowerment but really support empowerment in a powerful way because making money to me is a very, very important part of being empowered. So having the ability to create this platform to at least start monetization opportunities for women, that felt important to me. So we rebranded everything. We built the matching platform. We did a major pivot with our content. Our content is really focused on podcasting, um, it's, uh, there's content for advertisers, why you should advertise on podcasting. There's a lot of how to information for podcasters. So it's very podcast centric. And, you know, as a marketer, I think an important thing to do is really to find your niche. And this was, I think we found it. We, I, we, we, I felt really good about it, that this felt right. It was the great, um, way to take the best of like a boss girls and marry it with new technology. Yeah. And and your own experience and expertise as well that you're bringing from many years in the corporate world. So let's, let's sort of backtrack a bit and talk about your background. You actually grew up from a career perspective in corporate marketing for some really, really big brands. Maybe talk about that experience and why entrepreneurship at what point and why did you decide to pivot from the corporate world into the more entrepreneurial world? I I have a similar story as you know, um, and I'm always so fascinated to hear why, why people have done this and what you hope to accomplish, but what was it that originally was like, okay, it's time to do something really different. Mm -hmm. So thank you. So, um, I worked for Citibank, you know, when I was much, much younger, uh, for about seven and a half years. And 
was able to rotate around and get a lot of experience um, marketing and financial services. It's a great company. I learned a lot. Um, and But my goal was always to work for American Express. I mean, that was my vision. So after seven and a half years, I was fortunate enough to actually get a job at American Express. And just P.S., I tried to, I applied to every possible opening at American <laughs> Express. Most of what I was, I was absolutely not qualified to do, but I was determined to get a job at American Express. I love um, that which I did. I really admired the brand. That was very important to me. I like what they, you know, what they stood for. And um, I just saw the tremendous opportunity and growth in financial services. So worked in at American Express for 12 years, which was awesome, sort of came up. Um, and, you know, with promotions, um, I was fortunate in my last position there. Uh, to do some truly amazing things. So it was, um, my, my area was focusing on, uh, focused on the customer. How do you engage with the customer? How do you make the customer um, divert whatever they're spending on Visa and MasterCard to American Express? So there are a lot of different programs that we, you know, they still have at the time. Membership Rewards is a very powerful um, engagement program. And we also realized that looking at the array of the type of um, credit cards that were in the portfolio, that that we needed to do a few other things um, to attract younger audience. Um, you know, read the research, realized that um, the audience was a little older and needed to bring the young guard up. And that's when we decided to launch Blue from American Express, which was like so much fun. and. Basically, what we did was sat around my conference table, me and my team, and we looked at each other, you know, we need to create a product. We need to create a product for younger people. What do we got in-house? Like what technology, what features and benefits, what, we, what can we pull um, to craft together to make this pretty special? So we actually did. We talked to technology people, you know, features and benefits. We thought it was really cool. And then um, a, a senior person on my team um, helped us understand about the new technology with the chip and, um, and all that was going on, which led us to creating a very innovative design for the American Express card for this particular card. Um, and I you know, I give him a lot of credit because he was just determined to make this happen. And it was challenging for us, technologically speaking. And we launched the product and it was a huge success. It, it was just an incredible amount of fun. I really, really loved it. Um, but at, that was sort of at the point when uh, dot com was starting to boom. And um, again, with my experience managing existing customers. We did a whole lot of segmentation work, um, which you need to do. And I realized that we were not talking to the segment the way I really wanted to talk to them, which was women, young women specifically, um, to help them get going in their life. So um, it wasn't at that point that I started my own business, but that's when I, I sort of decided that I wanted to take a stab at, in working at a dot-com. So I worked in um, WebMD for a while, got that crazy experience of what it's like to do, you know, do a major startup, um, then worked for Barnes & Noble. I love to read, and it was very cool. And um, I managed uh, their um, engagement um, uh, program, which was very similar to membership rewards, except it was for books and reading. And I think at that point, I realized, okay, I've sort of done a lot of this stuff. Um, I've gotten a tremendous amount of experience in my corporate life. And I've had a taste of um, the dot-com world. What can I do? And my daughter is my muse. Um, and at the time, she was a teenager. And... Um, you know, she'd sit around the table, kitchen table with her friends, they talk about stuff, but there really wasn't a whole lot of conversation, you know, at my kitchen table or even out there um, talking about women that 
are inspiring, women that are doing great things, that are achieving. So at that point, I started my first foray, which is actually right before Like a Boss Girls, which was called Heart of Gold. And that was um, targeted towards teen girls, again, giving them information and resources to get started. A lot of conversations with amazing women and amazing teen teen women doing like super things, just again, to provide inspiration. Um, That I did for a while and then realized, well, I my daughter's not a teen anymore. And I, I think that I want to grow with my population, which is why I started like a boss girls, which at that time when we started was much more for the millennial um, group of women, those just starting out in their careers. So that, that was the evolution. Um, I, but what I like to think about my career, it's like a giant mosaic and, um, Every step I've taken is just adding to the mosaic. So I would not be where I am today if I hadn't had all those other experiences. They build on each other. So I'm grateful for my corporate experiences. They were incredible. And I'm grateful for the experience I've had in building this um, startup, you know, as an entrepreneur. It's very different than working in a company. That's for sure. Um, But I've enjoyed it. Were you, so as you were going through your career, were you, were you consciously aware of the need to evolve and pivot or were you taking advantage of opportunities that were put in your path? And by that, I mean, at least in my own experience, Mm -hmm. and maybe I'm unusual in this regard, but when I hit a wall in my corporate job and realized I needed to pivot, I hadn't really anticipated it coming, which is a strange thing. And I was very wrapped up in the just the the brand. It was such a part of my life. It was hard to imagine myself Mm -hmm. doing something else, even though I knew that I could, but it was, I was wrapped up in the brand and vice versa. And so that was one of the pieces Mm -hmm. for me that was hard was sort of untangling that. What was your experience in terms of recognizing that you needed to pivot and then sort of dealing with what can be a lot of other psychological stuff that just goes along with the transition? Oh, yeah, I was terrified. um, Because when you work at a place like American Express, the brand is, is it. Right. So there's such a connection with the brand, doing stuff for the brand, supporting the brand, you are the brand, you live and breathe the brand. Um, but after 12 years, I too hit that wall. I just didn't see any other stuff I wanted to do there. And it just, also the company was starting to change in a way that I couldn't change. So I could not be, I think what they wanted to me to be long-term. So the time was right. I left right after I started blue. So I, I left at a, a real high note, yeah. um, because that was just a really big accomplishment for me. Um, The transition to like, okay, what am I going to do next was very scary. Um, And yes, I had to think a lot about how do I untangle and move away from American Express? Because not only is it the brand, but it's the way of doing things. you know, focus on excellence and, you know, a whole bunch of other stuff that is just part of the corporate culture. Um, And when you're moving into an area that's like entrepreneurial and startup, yeah, you can't always do that. Right. (laughs) It's like, get it out there, try it, test, change, repeat. So that was like really challenging for me because I was used to having a huge staff, huge marketing budget, you know, producing great stuff, you know, based on the needs of the corporation. And now I was in this completely other world, which was very alien to me. And yeah, it took some time for me to to get going to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, you know, I think that's why I did the foray into WebMD. Yes, it was a startup, but it was also a company and then Barnes and Noble. And then at that point, I said, Okay, I think I've disengaged. 
now, now let me build my own brand. Now it's time. But it took a while. Um, I yeah. totally get what you you were just saying. Yeah. Well, you you touched on fear too, which is is such a, a big one. Oh yeah. Right. But you but you plowed through it. What was your toolkit or your strategy for dealing with it? Right. You recognize that you feel afraid. Right. So what were what were you doing to help you get control of that or channel it in a positive way? So there are two things that always went through my head. It's kind of crazy. One is from that movie, Apollo 13, 14. I yeah. Forgot. Yeah. Yeah. 13. Failure is not an option. And I was determined, I am not going to fail, you know, maybe things I'll have to pivot. But if I'm committed to this path, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to figure out a way to get stuff done. And the other thing, I just pulled such random stuff in my head. I remember going through the process. Uh, I remember reading the, a book to my kids, you know, the little engine that could, you know, right. I think I can, I think I can, I know I can. And I sort of, that resonated with me. I, I sort of was channeling that little engine saying, okay, you, you, you have the experience, you, you know, just get a little more self-confidence and go do it. Yeah. So was it, was it an actual mantra that you said to yourself? Oh yeah. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> Failure is not an option. Failure is not an option. I think I can. I think I can. I know I can. I know I can. I know I can. And look, I mean, as a young young kid, I was always very stubborn, um, or, or let's call it tenacious. There you, there you go. <laughs> a, a better, better word. word. Um, and I, I think I just decided to take that attribute and just really claim it. Um, I, I really wanted to succeed. It was not like I was like, you know, casual about this. I was just determined. This was just something I had to do. I wanted to do it. I made the decision to do it. I didn't know how I was going to do it, believe me. And, you know, did I experience imposter syndrome? Yes, every day. Um, you know, of course I did. But through it all, I just, just said, okay, you know what? I can figure it out. The other sort of mantra. And I, I actually really like this. There's a, um, a digital marketing guru. Her name is Marie For Forleo. And her quote, which sticks with me every day, is everything is figureoutable, which means we're not curing cancer. There's a way to work through stuff. So that really helps me um, from a mindset perspective. When we hit like crises and walls and, oh my gosh, the technology doesn't work. Calm down, everybody. Let's problem stop. Let's work it through. Um, so I think that process honestly has a lot to do with just having a whole lot of years of experience, right. just knowing that, that fixing stuff is possible. Um, I'm also really, what's also very important to me is... Um, pulling a team together. Um, and I'm only as good as my team. So I pick team members with complementary skills um, to help me do stuff I have no idea how to do and I will never know how to do. I don't know how to code. I wish I did, but I don't. So getting technology people in. I can write very well from a business um, perspective, but I'm not a creative writer. So I looked for an, an editor-in-chief, Meredith Reed, who's just amazing, who actually can write, can write really well in an engaging way. So that's sort of how everything evolved. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned earlier, you talked about so many things. I'm trying to figure out where Sorry. we want to drill in. But, but <laughs> no, 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 don't be. No, no, okay. no, don't be. I love it. I love it. Um, one of the things that I wanted you to talk about, though, um, relates to community and how this concept of building a community and building a brand, I feel like, has evolved so dramatically so that, I mean, especially for people that are starting podcasts, mm -hmm. but for, for anybody who is trying to create a business or build a brand, you're, you're building community and a connection mm -hmm. with an audience. Right. And your background in marketing is so important and so on point, 
but things have changed a lot as it relates to community, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe talk a little bit about what you see and some advice that you share with Mm -hmm. people that are starting businesses or women who are starting podcasts about really finding and connecting with your tribe or your community, if you will. So there are actually two levels of community, you know, when we talk to our podcasters. So what we advise, first of all, is find your tribe in terms of other podcasters with similar interests. There are so many amazing networking organizations um, out there. Um, I belong to some of them. I've created little masterminds with friends. And that really, these are very important elements in a woman's career. Um, It it helps just to build confidence, uh, to learn new things, to engage. Um, So that's sort of what I did first. And I did that for a whole number of years, which was like, let me find a community where I can learn and grow um, and connect and feel supported and not feel like a failure. So that's a, that's a big thing. There are a lot of communities out there that do a great job, but we also talk to podcasters about finding their own community, which is a community made um, consisting of their listeners, right? Because if you're serious about your podcast, you want to grow your show. So we talk a lot about, well, how are you going to grow your show? Well, you need to know who you're talking to. So this then gets into the whole conversation about um, knowing your avatar, which is your ideal woman. In fact, I'm giving a presentation on Friday just about this topic. And I talk about creating Mary, who's an avatar, a potential avatar or a theoretical avatar, Mary's married with two kids, you know, her husband's married too. She's got a big job. She just had a baby. She's feeling fat. You know, she's worried about the health and wellness. So building all these things out is super helpful um, because you're actually starting to understand who do I want to talk to with my podcast and therefore who are the other Marys out there? Right. Like, how, how do I find more Marys? Because I want them to be part of my community because they're going to add value and a richness in terms of whatever community um, activities that you may do with your audience. But it's also the way to grow your show. I mean, you know, podcasters say, yeah, I want to do a mom podcast. Great. That's useless. Okay. Get more targeted. Um, because right. if you're not more targeted, you're not going to find your listeners. You're not going to f- build your community. So I would say I'm talking about community in two different ways, which mm-hmm. is a lot of fun. But the life cycle of a community is very similar, which is, you know, identify people and engage with them. And then the nurture cycle and then the retention cycle. So there are definitely different cycles of community. I think people have to be mindful of Um, especially when they're building a community for their business, because it's about acquiring a listener or a customer, getting them to be your biggest fan um, and your biggest ambassador, and then making sure they don't go away. So that piece is important, but I would not be as successful or, or where I am today without the communities that I joined. They help me a lot. They really do. So hopefully I answered your question. You did. You totally did. And you sparked a couple of others. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm curious if the avatar tends to be the piece, sort of mistake is the wrong word, but maybe missed opportunity that you see with a lot of your community Mm -hmm. in launching these businesses. Is it missing the definition of that avatar and why that's important? Or is it something else? What's the biggest maybe missed opportunity or mistake that you see the women in your community make or maybe not take advantage of? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say mistake so much, but it's like an evolution of knowledge. Yeah, Because when you start a podcast, for the most part, people don't know what they're doing, which is cool, but they think it's a great communication tool. They're very excited about it. 
but maybe what they don't do is take a step back and think strategically about, okay, like, what do I want to do with this podcast? Who is it for? How am I going to find more listeners? What do I, what's really my objective? Do I want to build a community? Why? It's a lot of work, but what am I going to get from it? So I think what I would say is um, there are women who start um, podcasts that are niche and they're hobbyists and that's awesome. Like that's, they love to talk about it. They like to engage with other people. But I also think that if you're really interested in leveraging your podcast to either grow as a business or help amplify your other business, you need to take a very strategic approach. So I think that's maybe what is missing sometimes is taking a Mm -hmm. step back and just figuring out what am I doing? How am I doing it? Why am I doing it? And just being a little bit more deliberate, because if you don't do that, you do miss opportunities. Right, right. You know, it's interesting. Um, I certainly had a vision for what I wanted she Mm -hmm. said she said to be. But it's taken me three years to really figure out who my community is. And and just to think about this platform in a more strategic way. It wasn't that it wasn't strategic, but frankly, we didn't spend a ton of time (laughs) developing a strategy around it. We launched it and said, hey, let's give this a try. Here's some topics we want to talk about. And that's what we did. And we kind of used the on the ground experience, the in the moment experience to begin to build a strategy, which I suspect you would tell people that's a horrible idea. No, 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 no. Because it worked for you. I think, you know, another thing is just understand your own personal style. Right. Um, Because what you're talking about is getting something out there and testing it and seeing if it's going to work and then evolve it. Now that's like a core fact of what you need to do in marketing. So taking that approach, there is nothing wrong with it, but you did have some sense of what you wanted to do, right? You did. So yeah, you started yeah. with your premise and then you decided to do a lot of testing and refining. So that's that's a way of building a strategy as well. There's nothing, yeah. there's nothing wrong with what you did. It's awesome. Well, you're you're nice to say that. I suspect I would have saved a lot of time if I had known you before I actually launched right. this. L- launched this. So, it, and it begs another question: mm-hmm. Have you thought about with Asa really tapping into the people who are thinking about starting podcasts but haven't, and getting them on the front end so that they develop strategies and sort of have have more of a strategic approach before they even sit down in front of the microphone? Oh, this is perfect. I'm so glad you asked me this question because we are offering in the summer a program called ASA Academy, which is a free seven-week accelerator program. And um, each week we'll be focusing on a topic that's super important in terms of building your podcast the um, sessions will be led by industry leaders. So we're tapping into all of our friends. And basically, this program is for those women who um, maybe started a podcast, maybe it's not quite percolating the way they want, or they're thinking about starting a podcast. And our hope is, great, come come to us Academy, and we're going to give you some things to think about that will help you, hopefully, um, create your strategy so that you can make a good decision and then start to build it in a a thoughtful way. So, you know, thank you for asking me that question, but also, yeah, we're going to start to go public with it pretty soon. We're just working on the details. I'll I'll be promoting it pretty quickly, but yeah, that's meant to bring new women into the fold. Yeah, that's great. That's really great. There's a lot of different elements to what you're doing, and all of it requires a lot of creativity. How do you spark your own creativity? How do you go through the ideation process, if you will? What do you do to kind of keep your knowledge and your creativity fresh? So a whole bunch of things. I'm a research geek. And I try to get my hands on any possible piece of research I can. You know, again, I don't work for a big company, so I can't buy the really expensive studies, but there are a whole lot of studies out there about podcasting. Edison does a great one, the Infinite Dial, for example. 
And getting that research and reading it does help spark ideas for me because mm -hmm. basically the research is showing sort of trends. And but also if you read it carefully, you can look at potentially opportunities. So research is important. Um, having conversations, again, my team, you know, complimentary. So we, I, when I get a piece of research, I push it out to everybody. We talk about it. And that conversation also sparks creativity and discovery. And the other thing is just what I'm trying to do is be a lot more mindful mm -hmm. of being the process of creativity. Like that's a right. big thing for me, which is just settle down, either take a walk or I, I'm creative in the shower or, but, but, but be with yourself um, because we're, I mean, I know I am, everyone's bombarded with so much stuff every day. It's really important to just quiet down and synthesize what you're hearing and then um, like try to see if there are any themes that are popping. So I, I don't think there's like real magic, but I do think, I actually do think it's, it's, it's framing your thinking um, as to um, there are a whole lot of possibilities out there. Yeah. Um, I suspect, I suspect you're, you're a lot like me. I know how much you love your own podcast and the research that goes into it. And you're probably like me, you get a lot of ideas and inspiration and creative mm -hmm. sparks, if you will, through those conversations and through the research Absolutely. leading up to the conversation. Mm -hmm. So I always find that I am really inspired, not just by what the person says, even though that's mm -hmm. typically inspiring too, but also it just, it sparks ideas and ways of thinking about the world and ways of thinking about a particular challenge Absolutely. or any number of things. So, yes. So um, speaking to really interesting women, that's been amazing. And it, again, it does spark a whole lot of ideas. So I agree with you. Um, really listening to our community and what are their needs and what are their issues, we've gotten a whole lot of great insights. And that's led us to um, build some features that we're super proud of based on what the community is telling us. So that's really important, which is ask your community. You like, don't just do stuff because you think it's cool. You have to make sure that you're, you're creating um, with your end consumer in mind. I mean, otherwise, you're going to waste your time. So we take input from our community. I take input um, and distill information when I do my podcast. I look at the research. I talk to my team. I talk to my friends, my like informal advisory board. That's another cool thing to do, um, which is take a step back and assemble a group of people that have been super supportive to you and, and they can become your sounding board. Um, people who are interested in what you're doing, your business, and basically it's like a pseudo advisory board. So, you know, you're able to, and you have permission to go to them and say, hey, you know, I'm thinking of doing this. What do you think? Or have you heard anything, any new ideas about whatever? Great. Let me let me hear about it and let me distill it. Because as a as one individual, you can't do it all. You just don't. And I get ideas when I spark. It's like sparking off of people. And I also made the decision to talk to a whole lot of industry people, like to, I call it making friends. Well, I learn a lot from them. And then that sparks, you know, interesting ideas. Right. I, and you're building your network at the same time. Right. So I think when you get into this mindset, what I do, which my team sometimes is like, they're ready to kill me, is come up with too many ideas. So, you know, you have to be able to take what what the ideas you've assembled and distill down and prioritize. So, and that's an important part as well. Otherwise you're just gonna either kill yourself or just make, you know, create a very unhappy team. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk just for a second before I let you go mm -hmm. about the impact that you hope you will have had with Asa. Thank you. I 
really believe in this platform of podcasting. And there are so many women out there who don't have a way to articulate what's on their mind and what they're what issues they're experiencing. So I really want to push Asa out because we want to encourage these women who want to, to take a stand and to use this very cool medium to communicate and, and talk about issues, raise issues that are important to them. And it's, look, it is challenging. We know that there are areas in the world that they are very underserved from a technology perspective. So that's, that's a little challenging, but I think overall, it's a pretty low barrier to entry podcasting. You need a microphone and a headset and a computer. Now, right. not to say that's inexpensive, but you don't need a fancy studio and a whole lot of other things. So um, my hope is to give women the confidence and the skill set to be able to raise their hand and say, I have something important to say. I want to share it with the world. And the more I can do that, the more, I mean, the happier I will be. And the more I think I will feel that we fulfilled our mission. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Marla, such a pleasure to be with you today. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. It's a little weird being on the other side of the microphone, but um, I really had a good time. Thank you, Laura. This is like super fun for me. Hey, friend, thanks so much for joining us again today. You'll find more information about Asa and my fabulous guest, Marla Isaacson, in the show notes for this episode. I've also included a link to an earlier conversation that I taped with Marla for her podcast, Mind of a Mentor. Be sure to check that out as well. Mind of a Mentor is a fantastic podcast and I think very complimentary to a lot of the topics that we talk about on She Said, She Said. Now, before I let you go, I need your help. If you're enjoying She Said, She Said podcast, I would love to hear from you. And there are several ways that you can contact me and send us some feedback. The first, if you are listening on iTunes, is to click the review button there, give us five stars, and then write just a few words about why you listen to She Said, She Said podcast. Those comments help others who are looking for podcasts like this one to find it. And I also love hearing from you. You can also direct message me on Instagram at Laura Cox Kaplan or at She Said, She Said podcast. And finally, you can use the contact link at the She Said, She Said podcast.com website to send me a message as well. Be sure to include why you listen and what we can do to continue to improve this content and make it even more meaningful for you. Friends, most of all, I am so grateful that you've chosen to spend some time with us today. I hope you found this little investment in you well worth it. I'll see you next time. Until then, take care.